When it actually happened was maybe March. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's okay, but that, the numbers, it wasn't the budget we just did. I mean, um, no. this was mid-year that was back in January or February 2020. Chris, okay. you have your hand up. Did you want to ask, you have a question now or do you want to wait? At the end of the presentation, Mayor, I will say something. Okay, gotcha, thank you. Okay, go ahead, Charles. Um, yep, so uh, can, uh, the accruals will continue through September and the final audit work is scheduled for the first two weeks of November. I importuned uh, the auditors to try to get them uh, here in October so that we could get financial statements out by November. Uh, I'm still uh, hoping to get uh, our, our annual audit report financial statements done by the end of November. So that's my goal. Okay. So, so Mayor, this is when I want to comment if I can. Sure. Uh, I just want to let uh, the council subcommittee know and the public know that uh, I've had a conversation with Catherine Ewan, who is with Mason Associates, who is our auditor and has been our auditor. And I will have continued conversation with her about where Sausalito is and where we're headed and the work that Charlie and the team are doing. But I just want to let you know that that contact and communication was in process and happening. Um, Charlie, are we um, are, are we driving to, to do a CAFR this year? Or are we are we considering other types of annual reporting or? Uh, yeah, the the, the middle section of a CAFR is, called, is the is the financial statements and uh, and it's what we're required to do and I was thinking that we would just do that this year. Okay. I would okay. concur, Mayor. I would concur. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, so let's um, so we need to start messaging that probably early that we're not going to do a full CAFR this year that we're just going to do the financial report for it um, and so. Uh, Vice Mayor had her hand up. Was that your point? Uh, well, I have a, a couple of follow-up questions, but uh, we'll start with the CAFR. Fully concur. Um, don't think we need to spend the amount of money that we did. However, I would be interested. Um, we received a, a list of CAFR deficiencies or deficiencies identified in the CAFR at the last review, I believe, from Mason Associates. I think it would be nice to close the loop on those um, and maybe even take the last couple of years you know, and, and show that all deficiencies have been remedied. Um, and that way we can continue with this, this transparency that we are um, putting forward to the community. And then we can also know that those uh, have been accomplished. So that's a, my, my first comment. Um, my, my second is sort of, uh, I think for the city manager, which is, I know, I think OMIT is meeting in July. Um, I really wanna make sure that that happens uh, because when I see that we have uh, leases and then rent relief affecting revenues, I'd like to have a future item, either for us or for OMIT, reviewing all of our leases, um, how they've been impacted by COVID, what our projections are, how we can create efficiencies. So I just want to note that here. And then I guess my last comment, um, this is for you, Charlie, is on the parking fund. So since we are so reliant on the parking fund, um, I would love to explore some opportunities to, to basically fix the accounting. And, and one idea is to place the fully burdened PEOs in the parking fund and their capital equipment, then have both the revenue from the bicycle concession and the commission paid to the bicycle parking concessionaire, both in the fund, not just revenue, um, and begin to align these in a, in a way that I think reflects reality a little bit more. Um, so I don't need you to you know, comment on it other than to say, yeah, we could probably look at that more closely and that would be great. But I, I want to point that out because when we say parking fund revenue is weaker than anticipated, that's such a loaded statement for me. Um, because I think the accounting there really needs to get fixed. Uh, sure. We can uh, schedule a, a complete review of 
parking accounting at a future finance committee meeting. Great. And the omit the omit item, uh, the meeting is being worked toward the um, 29th of July. Uh, so we're working on that. We haven't confirmed it. So if anyone in the public uh, takes that date, it's tentative. Uh, we have to confirm with council member Sobieski. So one thing, just to follow up on this, um, one of us, <laughs> either the city manager, uh, the vice mayor or myself, uh, when we do our committee updates and reports for our next city council meeting, um, one of us needs to remember to call that out, that we're only going to do, as we start messaging this, that as part of the um, annual report this year, uh, we're not going to do a CAFR, that we're only going to do a financial report. So um, we just, I, we need to, to remember to let the public know about that early and often. I'll, I'll make sure, <laughs> I'll make sure to do that here. Yeah. Was that? And how much I'm money sure. say? Oh, sorry, Chris. Yeah, I'll make sure to do that. Oh, yeah, and I think the vice mayor was saying in, how, in the cost differential, right, uh, that this is a standard accounting. This is in line with standard accounting practices, and the cost savings to Sausalito will be. Well, and, uh, and it's not just cost, it's staff time. It's the time that goes into it. Yeah, that, great. Uh, we're having trouble with. Okay, so that, that that's in line with our examining our practices, how we do things, where we can have save efficiencies, right? Yeah. And, and finances so excellent thank you guys <clears throat> same thing with budget um you know we we did not do the comprehensive budget book that we used to do and submit for gfoa and csmf awards um, the words are superfluous there's a lot of effort that goes into it and um the, yes awards do demonstrate that we're, we have best financial practice but right now there are more important things uh, you know that Amen. we have to attend to uh, which which reminds me that I was just uh, neglecting. I wanted to introduce the other key members of the virtual gov team before I um, So I'm going to quickly uh, ask Adam and uh, Chad to turn on their videos and uh, so you could see uh, meet them uh, zoom to zoom face. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, what we have is uh, Adam Stone, who's the uh, virtual gov uh, contract finance director and Chad Hess from Aid Bailey who'd be the virtual gov contract finance manager and he and his team are the ones that are working on the end of the year update they're documenting business practices they're um, you know starting to review all the procedures so, so that how can we be operate more effectively and efficiently uh, to make sure that bills are getting paid revenues are recorded correctly and uh, transactions are processed you know in a way that uh, helps our departments there are customers as well and so you know rather than putting a bureaucratic burden on them so um chad uh, adam you want to briefly say hello and tell us just a bit about yourselves sure uh chad you you cool if i go first by all means cool hey nice to nice to meet everybody i have uh, i've been listening into your meetings and it's uh it's been a pleasure to just Try to get to know and learn the the city and operation. I look forward to working with you all very closely. Charlie and I have had the pleasure to know each other for about the last five or so years, um, and obviously, I, you know, I think that he's a thought leader in this space. So I've um, I've gotten the opportunity to work with other projects with him, and um, I'm just really humbled and grateful for the opportunity. Uh, a little bit about myself. So I'm located in the Midwest. I'm a CPA in the state of Indiana. I've spent my really entire accounting career in local government finance. Um, I was a, really a kind of a finance director, CFO right out of college uh, for the city that I live in today. 
And uh, it was in that role that I got to know OpenGov. I uh, got to know OpenGov and Charlie, and um, then ultimately ended up uh, moving to um, OpenGov full-time, helped, helped uh, various different projects. Uh, so I was a uh, director of professional services and uh, corporate training for that role, uh, both inside and outside for customers. And in one way or the other, got to uh, participate in about a Oh, nearly a thousand different customer projects. So I, I've, I've seen very small and very large operations and all using latest and greatest cloud technology and trying to just improve operations and improve the, um, uh, the tools that are being used. So uh, really grateful to work with you all. I know you have a packed agenda, so I'll be brief. I'm excited to be part of the team and mostly excited to get to know you all and hopefully have a really good outcome for you here uh, by the end of the calendar year. Thank you. My name is Chad Hess. I am with Ide Bailey. Um, I am assisting Charlie and Adam in their their undertaking of, of working through the city finances. Um, I am based out of the Midwest as well. I have a CPA in the state of Minnesota. Um, been working with Charlie since I want to say March on various projects. Um, overall, I think things are moving well. There's a lot to learn, a lot to understand and undertake, and things are moving forward with with interim audit and our process discovery. So. Certainly excited to be on part, be a part of the team and looking for ways to improve and, and bring that, that transparency and that, that reliability back to people for reporting. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Okay, uh, thank you for allowing me to do that, Mayor and Vice Mayor. Uh, let's move to the next agenda. I have a follow-up question. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> so what was the, you said you didn't do a book for submission for awards, but I, I missed the time, like you, you said it, you had a term for that. What was the term? Oh, the Distinguished Budget Award with um, GFOA? Yeah, but no, there was a process that you said that we didn't do. Oh, we didn't prepare a comprehensive budget book like uh, okay. like we had in prior years. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That was it. Yeah, we have budget documents and they're available for the public to review. Uh, we'll do a budget brief here shortly, but um, not going to put in the time and the effort and the money to, to uh, prepare it the comprehensive budget book to submit for an award. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, welcome, to, you guys. Oh. welcome to Chad and Adam. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> two things are going on at the same time. This is one of the busiest periods for accountants. It's the end of a fiscal year and the beginning of a new fiscal year. Uh, I just wanted to you know, highlight some of what's in process. The Section 115 trust funds have been deposited. In other words, uh, uh, as soon as that budget was passed, July 4th was over with, um, I directed staff to um, deposit the Section 115 trust money. Uh, and um, and we have the CalPERS payments are underway. The day after the council meeting this uh, last Tuesday, yesterday, I went and um, talked to our actuary, uh, set up the process. Staff right now is um, uh, processing the transactions through the CalPERS portal. Uh, and we're getting the documentation for the, the payment. Um, we've been talking with the Springbrook cloud migration that's tentatively scheduled for August now. And um, the fiscal year 21-22 budget to actuals are gonna be updated on the Sausalito OpenGov site uh, this afternoon. So um, we'll be able to follow our progress there. And again, anything significant comes up, I'll be certain to let finance committee as well as through the city manager know what's going on. 
So Charlie, to be clear that the Spring Break is the ERP implementation. So we already, we already use it. We were just about seven uh, versions behind. Uh, yeah, we were, the last update was uh, 2010, I believe, when I did it. Hmm. You know, now I'm not, what, I, what I'm saying is we did our upgrade in 2010 and then we maintained service packs every two weeks. So it was with the version we were on, it was always the current version. Uh, since then, even the service packs haven't been uploaded, so we're not getting any advantage of any new features to that version. So, uh, uh, but we will soon, and then we'll be also be bringing payroll back in-house. Uh, so, um, you know, we won't have to, this problem right now that we're having with our, our, our vendor that's processing payroll for us, uh, where the reports that we're receiving are inadequate to do proper postings into our general ledger. Requires quite a reconciliation. Which then kind of will get us right into the long-term financial planning. I just want to talk about, um, the, you know, I promised that we would start this in July and, and here we are. Uh, it's just kind of an introduction to it that uh, forecasting is really extrapolating where we are and where we're gonna be going in the future. and. Uh, one thing about forecasts is that they're always wrong. You know, you know, you never actually hit a target, but we want to be uh, as realistic and as as accurate as we can be. So it's, um, you know, it's only as good as the inputs and the assumptions that we make. And so I'll be reviewing those with you as we go along at every monthly finance committee meeting. Um, but the purpose of forecasting isn't just to do a forecast, it's to do planning and, um, and uh, of, where we want to be and how are we going to get there and along with planning comes scenario planning so we're going to be walking through a process we're envisioning different versions of the future uh not for this just for the sake of visioning the future but for having action plans in place on what actions the city council could implement if a trigger event occurs you know so um you know all of a sudden we notice a leading indicator is telling us that the uh, economy is retracting severely, just like it did with COVID. Uh, well, we should have an action plan in place on what we would do, you know, to address that situation. Uh, preliminarily, I've gone in and I've removed all the one-time revenues and expenses from the base 21-22 budget. Uh, in the forecast, I allocate 100% of Measure O money to the CIPs. Uh, I'm anticipating that transient occupancy taxes won't return to uh, pre-COVID levels until 2023, and then, but they'll grow at 5% annually after that. And we have historical data that can support uh, that 5% growth. Um, also, property tax, sales tax, and other taxes will grow at 5%, but salaries, benefits, and other expenses grow at 3%. And, and I haven't not yet worked into the forecast model, uh, what we talked about at the council meeting, uh, and that's the 21.3% uh, PARS gain, which is gonna help our curve in the long run a little more. So pictorially, this is what it's looking at right now. <clears throat> the base year, uh, we, have a, we have a deficit, as you know. Um, if we don't make any structural adjustments or one, uh, other one-time fixes, that deficit grows in 23, and that's primarily because the American Rescue Plan money goes away. At the same time, the expenses are dropping because that one-time expense of the housing element goes down. Uh, and then we have the expenses growing, you know, about 3% annually, our revenues growing, uh, the taxes port 5% annually. So, you know, in these 
longer years were looking better, especially when I worked that that PERS increase in here and using our Section 115 trust fund. But in these years, we, we have some hard decisions that we need to make. Uh, and, uh, and in our senior management team yesterday, as well as the uh, council meeting Tuesday night, you know, city managers committed to, you know, working with staff to find the best way to overcome this structural problem we have. Uh, oh, so next steps on this is that I'm continually refining the model. I'm re-looking re at the assumptions. We'll be calibrating our monthly budget to actual reports uh, and then reporting this to the Finance Committee on a monthly basis with the anticipation of bringing a, a, a forecast that's supported by the Finance Committee and staff uh, to the City Council to update, um, start doing some scenario planning, and then I, I'd sort of like to adopt a long-term financial plan in January uh, and that the reason being to that long-term financial plan, usually the first year becomes the annual budget. And we want them to inform the fiscal year 22-23 budget preparation process. Um, so you wanted this, those three items bundled together. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think so. Hold on, let me check the, uh, maybe one more. So hold on. Uh, I could move into yeah. pensions or uh yeah let's go ahead and go into pensions i'm sorry let's just let's can, just, can i anyone? can i just uh, bear hoffman I, I just want to clarify some things on the on slide three here yep um so thank you for all this charlie and it's nice to see them all in in one place um i i noticed that the assumptions don't include anything around operational efficiencies and reducing our expenses and i'm thinking um specifically around the general government um line item which has been in excess of five million over the last couple of years uh, and where we need to think a little bit more clarity uh, so i just want to urge us to include uh, efficiencies and reducing expenses as part of our assumptions um, and and then i also i'm assuming you'll do this but I'm, I'm hoping that you'll bring a series of assumptions to the council that we can then i guess from a policy perspective make the judgment call on okay yeah, definitely yeah. um yeah i mean uh, the other thing too is the if we adopt a financial you know the financial plan long-term plan in january that would also inform you know anyway the the projection or the list of the targets for you know if we are for staffing later in the year so staffing and particularly negotiations right if we're going to look at our um look at our our union contracts um in the spring so i think that'd be that's a good target schedule good and, and I'll, I'll also mention i'm sure it'll come up in the pension conversation i think the mayor will probably have comments but i am i'm i am a, a little bullish on that 21 uh percent uh caliper number um I, I i don't feel comfortable relying on that with any sort of long-term forecasting but i'm sure we'll get into that on the on the pension yeah. side sure. believe me we're not relying on anything more than the discount rate <laughs> Anyway, okay, so I did send you that chart yesterday. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be going over that. Yes. Okay, yep, thank you. All right. Uh, um, Mayor, before we leave that, can I can I weigh in? Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris, I saw that your hand was up. I didn't know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, first of all, uh, thanks for the work on that assumption um, model, Charlie. Uh, and the assumption model includes 3% is what I saw, is what I see. Uh, I'd like to see that with 1%, 2%, no percent. Um, 
you know, the other thing that was brought up earlier, which is important, is some of these uh, consultant costs. Uh, I think we need to be very clear on what those are and if they go away or not. And then one thing that I think uh, we need to really think about, is there going to be any C, uh, general fund allocation to the capital improvement program? Uh, because we know there are some real needs there as well. Okay. Okay, thank you, Chris, for that. Okay, so let's roll right into pension. And then, to be clear, after this presentation, we're going to take public comment on all four of those finance items, long-term projection finance items. So. All right, thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> yeah, we'll start uh, pension workshop by looking at um, the funded performance. Some of the some of the graphs that have been requested uh, <clears throat> in the past month. This is a history of Kelper's uh, funded status going back to uh, 1993, where they're 96 percent funded. The super funding years coming down here to uh, <clears throat> minor recession, and we get an 87 percent dot com bubble 101 dropping down with the Great Recession, and it's been uh, less than 100% funded ever since the, the Great Recession. So here's some of the key milestone dates that have occurred. <clears throat> the, uh, this slide shows their investment returns as they've gone all over. And again, I put in the Great Recession, uh, the, the recession, the Great Recession, and the COVID recession. Uh, th this red line, orange line, is the discount rate, and you see it ramping down here to 6.8% in 2021. Uh, the uh, well, and then I've included the investment return of the 21.3. So investment returns all over the board, going back to the same time period uh, as this, and those investment returns are what drive the funded status. Uh, the, the 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 prime driver is the investment return not meeting the discount rate and the second prime driver is lowering the discount rate raises the unfunded liability so these two slides tell a lot of story here um, it's important to point out though just how important the investment earnings are uh, for every uh, kelpers public employee pensions are funded that 32 percent comes from uh, the employers and another 13 percent comes from the member contributions and the 55 cents of every dollar comes from investment earnings. So, um, you know, that's that's part of what's built into that discount rate. Why that discount rate is so important is that the greater the discount rate it assumed, the less burden there is on Kelpers, uh, employers and members. And as this lowers, this these amounts have to increase. And so it becomes a balance between what can reasonably ex be expected from um, the volatility and the equity markets versus what burden is placed on employers and taxpayers uh, at the present time. Uh, and there's just some five, some fast facts about CalPERS pensions. So there's 2 million um, overall members and the average annual allowance for all retirees, beneficiaries and survivors is 35,700 a year. It's a little bit more for just retirees, uh, $38,184 a year. The average retirement age is about 58.7, and the average years of service is 20.5. So 60% um, <clears throat> of all CalPERS service retirees receive less than $3,000 a month. And only 4.5% uh, 
receive pensions of $100,000 or more. I mean, it's kind of, we always see the news about this item, but what we don't see a lot is, uh, is this 3,000 a month. And many of these people are not in social security. So this 3,000 is all their retirement is. Uh, they don't, they can't blend it with social security. Uh, and it's kind of the average retirement for all service retirees is 60, average 20. And, uh, you know, some workers currently contribute up to 16% of their paycheck, which are uh, going into their pensions. So just some fun, some fast facts about CalPERS pensions that are actually received. Now let's look at Sausalito. This is a timeline, 20 year history <coughs> of our, uh, our CalPERS contributions and that percentage of that to our general fund uh, budget. I did not try to normalize general fund budget for just operating because there's some capital in here or one-time transfers. Uh, but, you know, just for quick, this is kind of a, a, a C. So there was CalPERS contract enhancements that occurred in 2005, where miscellaneous employees went to 2.5% at 55 from the previous 2% at 55, and safety employees went to 3% at 55. And the staff reports that we pulled didn't say what they were before and didn't have enough time to do any research, but I, you know, I'm thinking that they were probably at 2% at 55 as well. So I'm not, I'm not sure on that though. Uh, and then we go through, but at the same time, when most employers in California were, are imposing these, uh, <clears throat> these contract enhancements, most employers said, oh, the employer will pay the employee portion. It's important to point out that Sausalito did not do that for the miscellaneous and the police employees, only the fire safety employees. So uh, since 2005, our miscellaneous and police have been paying um, their own portion of their pension. Uh, and pivotal year was fiscal year 12, where we paid off our miscellaneous and fire safety side funds. We closed tier one, we created a new classic tier two, and of course, Pepper was enacted. And then part of our total labor cost reform package that was adopted was uh, we lowered pay ranges. So when you have lowered pay ranges, the percentage that CalPERS charges is now being imposed on a new employees, lower pay range, and that reduced our cost as well. And then we had a soft close on our fire uh, unfunded liability by transferring our firefighters to the Southern Marine Fire Protection District. And then in 2015, we've adopted our Section 115 trust fund and started funding it, and which leads me to some good news on that funding. I'm just gonna drop down to this slide really quick is I got the June statement just today uh, and the June statement um, shows that we have 2,550,502 in our pension, uh, which brings us right to where the plan was. <laughs> Isn't that a coincidence? It was the, the 18 plan that was uh, presented to the city council during budget hearings, and here's where we actually are. Uh, and we also, in our OPEB fund, we have 1.694 million for a total of 4.2. So this is the number that you'll see in your next treasurer's report as of June 30th, that the uh, Section 115 trust for both OPEB and pension has $4,244,000 in. Let's come back to pension uh, specifically. <clears throat> After 21.3. Sorry, Charlie, hold on. Before we move on, Chris has a question, um, I think, which he has his hand up. So go ahead, Chris. Thank you, Mayor. 
uh, Charlie, excuse my uh, lack of information and knowledge, but uh, when the city of Sausalito uh, shed the Marin, uh, shed the fire department to Marin County, what happened to the pension obligations at that point? Did the city maintain the legacy costs of the people that were there, or were those costs then transferred to the Marin Fire District? So the city kept its liability uh, for the, those classic employees and the, um, the future cost went to the district. Yes. Of course. Of course. So, okay. Understood. Thank you. And um, the district is part of MSERA, which is a different pension plan, but there's reciprocity between the two systems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Charlie, we, we still have that obligation is what you're telling me. Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, Charlie. When you're giving your, can I just request that when you're giving this, um, uh, whenever whenever we're going to schedule it, um, that you call that out, especially for, especially for the new council members. I think it'd be helpful. Um, uh, uh, Janelle's been in this knee deep, but but I think it'd be helpful for both Councilmember Blasting and and Councilmember Sobieski and anybody else who wasn't. Uh, fully engaged back in that. I mean, just a quick footnote, I think, or a quick, anyway, would be really- I will, I will definitely do that. Yeah, actually this um, unfunded accrued liability is the combination of all seven of our plans. We have seven plans. We have our miscellaneous tier one, that's soft closed, miscellaneous tier two and the pepper. And then we have a police safety tier one, a police safety tier two and a police pepper. And then we have the fire safety. So definitely, I, I mean, I could show those all together and then collectively. And, uh, and I've done that in other presentations to the finance committee, but I'll definitely do it going forward. Yes. Okay, thanks. I think that's that's helpful. Um, it's already complicated. Yeah, and the vice mayor's got a question too. I see your hand. Yeah, you know, so Charlie, this is extremely thorough, very in-depth. I'm, I'm very appreciative of this. I know the mayor and, and the city manager are as well, um, but at the risk of sounding uh, dumb, I guess, uh, I, this is a lot of information to ingest and to make sure we're all on the same page. And so I want to I want us to think carefully about how we bring this to the full council in a way that is bite-sized chunks and easily digestible information. And because one theme that it feels like we kind of miss when we have all the numbers is risk. And I'm wondering where in this presentation. Um, are we really looking at the very large amount of risk in these pensions? And the city owns all of that risk, right? And the city guarantees a target ROR, and we rely on CalPERS having a certain earning year after year. Um, I really want to pull that risk out so that all council members are on the same page about what that looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah these two slides here demonstrate um, the the largest portion of our risk. It's we're relying on CalPERS to uh, meet the discount rate. Uh, and that's why there's so much volatility. When the discount rate is high, they have to invest in riskier portfolio asset allocation in order to, to achieve that discount rate. And that's what causes all the volatility. As they lower the discount rate, the volatility should smooth out because they you know, aren't Hopefully, they're not uh, having an asset allocation that is more risky. So, uh, and we can model all this in our software. Uh, uh, we can model, uh, let's assume that CalPERS will only have a 5% rate of return. Well, of course, that would drive the unfunded liability up. It would um, 
increase the the cost that we could occur if we started budgeting for that uh, lower rate of return versus the discount rate. Uh, and and we can bring all that to the city council so that they can, and, and to, through the finance committee, of course, that um, uh, of what all those scenarios look like. We have the tools to do scenario planning on our pensions. I think that's, uh, that's vital. And especially as you look at the um, asset volatility ratio in, in the context of um, our pension, uh, our pension strategy going forward and recognizing what the real drivers are. So uh, I thank you for that. And thank you for calling that out, um, Vice Mayor. So I, especially, especially the small understandable bites, right? Um, and so, okay, we interrupted you. So um, yeah, sorry about that. yeah, go ahead. So uh, <clears throat> This chart is the funded ratio chart. Uh, and after the 21.3% increase in lowering the discount rate, we are 81% funded. Uh, you know, that's a target that many people thought we would never get to, you know, someday. And so, you know, I'd like to be able to just point out that we went from 70% funded to 81% funded because of that 21% uh, uh, return. Um, but again, we can't rely on that going forward. So this projection going forward only anticipates a 6.8% re uh, investment return every year. In other words, it anticipates the discount rate return, showing that we will be 100% uh, funded by the year 2037. So Charlie, are you, are you, you said that you're using, for your calculations and planning purposes, you're using, what'd you say, a 6.8? 6.8, 6 .8. yeah. 6.8? Okay, so here's my question to you: Is that is that a realistic enough assumption, or should we go down to 5.8 or or six percent in order to well, be able to plan further? Yeah, the, great question. Um, the, and those are scenarios that we'll develop. We can develop in the software and then plug into the long-term financial planning tool. So if we assume the five percent uh, discount rate or five percent rate of return versus a six point eight, then uh, and we budget for that and put that amount in our long-term financial plan, then we can start making decisions today about what services to crowd out or what revenues to raise in order to de-risk the pension uh, risk. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think I would prefer to, to think about that. I, I don't know if we need to go all the way down to five, but maybe 5.8 or 6.2 or something, something more conservative and good for us if we're, if we're being too conservative in later years, but, um, you know, I, I think the, the risk that we're at right now and and that and the level of our pension trust fund um, is not quite where I'm comfortable with it yet. So um, anyway, so let's think about that. And, and I might want to see some scenarios on that or ask that you um, develop a couple of scenarios on that as well. I will. Yeah. Thank you. City manager. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. If I can. Uh, so, uh, Charlie, thanks for this. Um, last uh, council meeting, you provided the uh, impact of the CalPERS payments annually and how they affect our general fund dollar. And so my recollection was 16 cents on the dollar is leaving before the council can even do anything with it because we have that obligation. So going forward in any of these scenarios, what I'd like to see is that you would provide that information going out as well. Whatever it is we look at doing, whatever scenario that makes sense to us we need to start to understand you know what our payments are going to be and how much of the general fund dollar they're going to eat up annually so that we can you know have a realistic understanding of what the council can allocate beyond 
personnel expenses and obligations we have for utilities and, and other things. But it's really clear to me that there's not a lot of um, latitude for city council to uh, spend money because so much is already baked into obligated expenses. And so I think we need to really understand that in any scenario going forward. So thank you. Okay, definitely will. Yeah, this is, um, this is the, the, the revised unfunded liability contribution after this, these two major impacts on it. And it shows that we're going down like to $2.7 million over the next 10 years. And then that starts to gradually decrease. Uh, which leads us then to the Section 115 Trust. Uh, so one possible use of our Section 115 Trust is to continue funding it uh, through 2027 as the 2018 plan uh, anticipated, and then we could start withdrawing $900,000 a year out of it till it's depleted uh, the year when the unfunded liability is paid off. So I would make, you know, as we go through all the scenarios as we go through the long-term financial planning, we'll be adjusting these numbers, we'll be adjusting these numbers, we'll be looking at, you know, what's what's baked, as city manager said, is what's baked into the to the general fund expenses and what's discretionary after that. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Charlie, could, can you go back to the uh, slide 11 real quick? Uh, maybe it was 10, pardon me. Oh, okay, so <laughs> it's gonna be nine. I know it's gonna be nine. Um, you, you had mentioned um, uh, the obligation to Southern Maroon Fire. Um, how many people remain in the Southern Maroon Fire group for us? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't have that at, at my fingertips, but I can pull it up. Uh, well, yeah, I guess the question, is, is it a, a consequence in, in in a significant manner in terms of what our obligation is? So as of the 2019 valuation, let's take a look. I'm just trying to understand the risk allocation. I know we can't get out of it, but. Um... So uh, this is the 2019 um, uh, actuarial valuation. The 2020 actuarial valuation will be come out from CalPERS around uh, October of this year, October, November. Uh, but as of 2019, there was 18 million in assets and 26 million in crude liability. Um, the members of the pool, there were 31, 32 number of retirees, but there's no new, no, no actives because they're all over there in Southern Marin District. You know? So how many of the people that transferred to the Southern Marin District are still there? I don't know. And it's not in an actuary report. We could, we could get that from uh, Chief Tubbs. Okay, yeah, and sorry, I know I referenced the wrong um, slide. I think what, what raised it for me, you mentioned it in passing, but then you also talked about um, sort of our, our long-term um, pension uh, liabilities. And I guess something the mayor and I were talking about is that the vast majority of our employees and our pension liabilities are in that high cost tier one, right? And um, I'm just trying to get a sense of whether there is room to breathe on that or is that going to continue in that fashion? Uh, so I can actually 
No, uh, the a blender. I can get that information for you, of course. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd just be helpful. I, as we understand the risk and, and how it grows and how we mitigate it. Okay, yeah. thank you. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. But to, to kind of answer that question right now, I think that the PIPRA law in 2013 and the new um, formulas for new employees is going to lower that. Yeah. Here's our current uh, distribution of we have uh, 70 active employees and we have 189 retired with 57 and 81 either separated or transferred. <clears throat> so our ratio is like two and a half times retired to active employees. Now, how many of these 70s are in tier one versus tier two versus pepper? I, I have that information, I just don't have it in front of me. I actually have it loaded into a, a website I created but it would take me a few clicks to find it. <laughs> and Charlie, I, I do want you to know, um, I know we ask you about 75 different questions and you're able to find within seconds answers to like 73 of them. So um, I appreciate that and, and thank you for, for indulging the number of different questions that come at you. Yeah, agreed. All right, so um, just kind of next steps. Uh, so, <clears throat> I want to propose a, 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 an August workshop. It could either be finance committee or for the finance committee with the city, whole city council. Uh, and I'll go into the agenda for that in a minute. Um, other next steps is I really believe, as I mentioned Tuesday night, that we need to review our pension funding policy quarterly, uh, both CalPERS and the section 115 trust together. So, you know, I'm, uh, those four periods would be uh, as I mentioned last Tuesday night, the, during the summer after CalPERS releases their investment return. So in other words, part of what we did last Tuesday night and what we're doing today is reviewing those investment returns and how it impacts our, our, our liabilities and our costs. Uh, then we should have a fall report on pension funding policy budget execution. In other words, uh, if the pension policy calls for funding of the Section 115 trust, you need to know that the finance director did that, <laughs> right? And that's so a part of what I did today was say, yes, you know, we funded our Section 115 trust. Yes, we're moving forward with getting our discounts on prepaying our UAL payment. Uh, yes, we've got the instructions that are coming to us on how to um, pay down the police safety side fund. Uh, you know, we, we may find that there's some other things that are occurring. For example, the, the, the total liability, I mean, the total unfunded liability in our miscellaneous funds are pretty small. We might wanna say, gee, we, we think there's gonna be a budget uh, savings occurring. Let's, let's just get those off the book rather than pay 7% interest on those. So, um, and then in winter, we should review our pension funding policy. So it gives, informs and gives direction for preparing the next fiscal year budget. And then we have a spring report after the budget's adopted uh, of, of what the pension funding policy is. So, um, and then lastly, I think that yeah, the finance committee uh, should work on preparing a comprehensive pension funding strategy for city council adoption in September, October. And we would do that by these workshops I mentioned, where uh, NHS advisors that <clears throat> there are financial advisors for uh, uh, bond issues uh, that they walk, walk through with us and give us a full understanding of the cost management strategies that are available, 
the pros and cons, the viability of each one. In other words, I'm kind of a national expert on pension funding policies, but you need to get a third party opinion on that as well. And I'm recommending that we bring them in and they talk about the fresh start with CalPERS, the Section 115 trust, the, our additional discretionary payments, how can we make those? And do we need to restructure our UAL? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of these options? And as an outcome of this, we may want to have a, a second workshop where we decide we do want to restructure our unfunded liability. What are our options? What are the evaluations? Do we do a pension obligation bond or a lease back bond and things like that? So some of those budget ideas I presented during the budget preparation process, um, the council kind of directed us to prepare a series of workshops going forward to explore those more. So that's that's what um, I'm proposing here. Thanks. I uh, yeah, I'm supportive of those. I'm supportive of that schedule as well. So. Um, you know, fitting it, the challenge is always, when do we fit it in and how do we do it? And do we need, <laughs> do we need a separate meeting? I'm laughing because what are we up to now for special meetings for this year? It's, I mean, it's, we're 25 or 26 or 27, I don't know. And this is from the person who doesn't like special meetings. <laughs> uh, so um, from the mayor, meeting myself, uh, who doesn't particularly like uh, to schedule special meetings in addition to all the other work that we do on the part of the city council. So yes, Vice Mayor. Yeah, um, I, I fully support of um, a full council workshop. Um, this is something everybody needs to really be on the same page about. Uh, I really um, learned a lot from the work that Bartle and Associates has done in the past. I will urge us to continue to utilize them. They have historic, um, you know, uh, insight on our on our processes and. I've said this before, I mean, our pension debt was only 5.3 million at the end of fiscal year 2004-2005. We need to go back that far to understand how did we get here. Um, and every council member should, honestly, at the tip of the tongue, know this is what our pension debt is. This is our, you know, this is where we stand today. The, the other thing um, I think we all need to understand is, you know, the city's pension plans have about, I think you said 80 million in, in assets. Um, it, you know, we, we need to understand what that means uh, and why that's so important. And, and I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that that's the case and CalPERS is on average only 6% per year instead of the 7% target, then the city incurs for each year an additional pension expense that's 1% of the 80 million or 800,000. And that's what I mean by risk. And we get that because we're sitting here with you today. I want everybody on the council to, to have that understanding. Agree. And, um, Chris, you have your hand up, go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to piggyback on the vice mayor's comment about Bartels, because I think that's the right group. And uh, if we do bring someone in like Bartels or uh, someone else that Charlie says is a national expert, um, that's coming out of the virtual gov contract, Charlie, is that my understanding? No, this is in the budget. Both Bartel report and the NHS report are part of the budget, yeah. Part of part of the virtual gov budget or the city budget? City budget. Yeah. No, I was saying that I'm recognized as a national expert on pensions. I, I go around the country giving um, lectures and webinars and working helping municipalities develop pension funding policies. Uh, but you need a third party uh, advice, either Bartel or NHA's advisor or both. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't. 
I don't know that I, I recognize or remember it being put in the budget, but that's that's okay. Um, uh, I do know what's in your budget, and I need to look at your contract to make sure that there is, in fact, uh, some cutout for that or not. So thanks. Okay. All right. So I think um, <clears throat> I think that's a good scope then uh, that we're thinking of and how to schedule that in August. I like the August um, time frame. Uh, we do have a city council meeting on August 31st. Um, so maybe uh, how how long do you think um, how long I, I'm just since I have you here sitting here and since we're doing our <laughs> agenda setting tomorrow, I'm opportunistically asking you, uh, Charlie, what do you think the, the time uh, commitment would be for that type of a workshop? Oh, no more than two hours. I would say, Mayor, two hours, uh, but you know that when you schedule a special meeting and we only have one meeting in August, someone's going to try to add something else onto it because it is a meeting that's being had. There will be some emergency that will come up, so I plan for three. Okay, okay so let's discuss. I'm just, we're going to discuss that tomorrow then in our agenda setting, um, when to do that and what's the best uh, time to do that. Okay, so... Um, Okay, so now I am going to, I don't have any further questions on this, and I don't think Vice Mayor or the City Manager does, so I'm going to open this up to public comment. And again, this is for all four, right? So C1 through C4. So just to refresh everybody's memory, um, that was the C1 was the 2021 uh, end of year update. 21-22 was the budget ex execution update. Uh, three was the long-term financial planning, the introduction of that plan, and then four is our um, pension, uh, our pension discussion. And so, I don't see any hands up. Does anybody see any hands up? Okay, I see no hands up for public comment. Excellent. Uh, then moving right along to the next item on our agenda is going to be C six which is measure F and measure O summary. And then C7 will be our last um, our last uh, item on our agenda, which is the increased cost recovery staffing contract uh, for MIG. And I believe that was pulled off our consent this week and added to our uh, finance committee for discussion. So, um, okay, go ahead, please. Okay, so, um, um, the, for, we'll start with measure F, um, the sources and uses of the funds. Um, so the bond proceeds totaled 7362000 And as part of the, um, uh, there was a budget that was allocated of $1.2 million for Robin Sweeney, $3 million for MLK, $1.2 for South, Southview, and $1.8 for Dunphy. And of course, there were issuance costs that came in uh, that totaled all that. Um, over the course of the, uh, through um, this last withdrawal that I just made in uh, March I, from the COPs, uh, we accumulated $271,000 of interest earnings on that money. Now, how did we use it? Well, there was about $164,000, a little bit over budget for the issuance costs, and then we allocated the rest of the budget uh, pretty much in line with the original sources of funds on, for uh, all of these uh, four parks. Uh, so a total of 7.6 million out the door, 7.6 million in the door. Now the question was, how much did we spend on those parks and how much was funded from Measure F and how much was funded from Measure O? 
So uh, Dumpty Park over the years had about $3.7 million in expenses. Southview had uh, 2.1. Robin Sweeney had almost 1.6. And the MLK facilities had 3,168. Uh, Measure F money covered the $7.4 million. And the uh, other money came out of uh, Measure O, uh, or the Capital Improvement Program. Uh, and MLK, of course, funded the difference between there. So here's how much the parks cost. Here's how much Measure F supplied towards it. I have a, sorry, I have a follow-up then for Dumpy. Um, the total, so the total for Dumpy was 3.7. That seems low. I, I'm wondering, was that, was that, um, did you factor in all of the expenses that that were not covered by either Measure F, Measure O, or yeah. some other? Yeah, the soil contamination is not in there. There's there's other dumpy park uh, expenses, um, but these were the ma major ones that were identified in the general ledger as uh, either Measure F or non-Measure F uh, park expenses. Uh, you know whether things were charged to the right accounts or not is a matter of what happened between 2015 and uh, 2021. But this is what the source of record says was spent. So I would ask then that that this, however, we're going to keep this calculation. So are we going to, is, is there a plan that this presentation is going to be given at the full city council meeting? <clears throat> if you agendize it, yeah. Okay. So then in that case, um, I would ask that this slide be amended to include every expense that's attributable to construction for any of the parks, right? So I, I'm just thinking dumpy because that's, you know, that's 3.7 isn't accurate and, and that's pretty, that, that just leaps out at me. And if it leaps out at me, then I know it's, it's, leaps is going to leave out at other people is is undermining the credibility of any report that we we give on the total cost so um you know a, a strict adherence to you know candid <laughs> candid yeah. in, candid in our reports good bad and, and you know ugly is is i think we got to do that so anyway the vice mayor has her hand up yeah um it definitely uh hit me in the face as well uh so I couldn't agree more, and I, I think truly what we're looking for here is on the, Dunphy as an example. You know, the COPs, um, the money from the Cal Recycle Grant, Measure O, the Costco Poussin Grant, the Parking Fund money, the Thailand's Fund, Galilee got a CDBG grant. Um, we have 75K from the Sewer Fund. Well, I think what we really need to show is the total before interest, how far over budget we went, and then the total project cost. And um, I, I think that it couldn't be more important. We, we need to make sure that happens. And as part of that, I think the report needs to show all park renovation expenditures initiated after the passage of Measure F and the source of that money as well. So it's got to be a lot more granular because I think what the community is concerned about is the fact we went so far over budget. Um, but I also think the community like to see what was what was promised in the, the Measure F you know, flyer, what was the money going to be used for? Um, how was it used? And, you know, where where did we kind of uh, fall down? What are the lessons learned for going over budget? So yep. this, I imagine this at Dumpy Park, I imagine the park's actually on the top line 
and then a list of all the variety of um, sources of that revenue uh, on the left hand side. Okay. And, and I think also as, as part of this, um, and thank you for, for uh, sort of following uh, my thought, my thinking here, uh, I, I am actually kind of wondering um, what's the percentage completion of each of the, of the park projects. So even in the chart that you have, Dumpy shows original projection of 1.8, today it's at 3.77, um, almost 300K was spent in 2020, 2021, which does not account the 800K for the soil removal. Um, we know Southview is having issues with its tennis courts. Um, so I think that's a whole other kind of layer on this analysis of, you know, are we done? <laughs> how, much, how much more are we gonna spend? Yeah, we'll have to bring Kevin in for answer those questions. That'd be great. And let me just do a, a reality check with, with the mayor and the, and the city manager. Did that make sense? Um, because it feels like there's data missing for me. So I want to know historic information on the overruns, sources of funds. But then I also want to make sure we can tell the public we're done. We're not going to spend any more on these parts or this is what we do anticipate having to spend. Yeah, and it's part of our overall discussion, right, um, Charlie, of sort of efficiencies, right? How are we doing, learning from what we've done in the past? I mean, um, you know, it, it's construction, right? So <laughs> it's construction, it's construction of parks. And so, who, you know, I, I understand that there was some, <clears throat> there's some, there's a range of, are things gonna go according to plan, right? But. Um, we certainly, I think we've learned a lot about how to manage a, a big, big construction projects with all of those, with all those four efforts. Um, and certainly from the city perspective going forward and as administered by our city manager, you know, what were the failures and not, yeah, I mean, I can say failures, failures in um, how we manage that. and successes right and how can we build on that going forward so all of that to me is in, enormously instructive and um you know knowledge that we can apply going forward so okay yes i agree <laughs> so, okay all right so please continue sorry that we got you off track there so um and then to tie the numbers of the sources and uses together i provided the uh, documents from the uh, official statement. Uh, here's our total uses, total sources of funds, and this is the debt service to maturity schedule that uh, is taking place on those COPs. And then we're moving over to measure O. Uh, this is the amount of measure O that was generated each year uh, from the half cent sales tax, how much is budgeted in 2022. Uh, how much was transferred out of to the general CIP fund is in the second column. And then there was some non uh, measure O money that was transferred to the CIP account uh, in each of these three years. Of course, these are the COVID years, right? And um, I listed some of the projects uh, that cover those expenses. I focused mainly on street repairs uh, and ADA projects and then thinking the rest of the money uh, went to um, parks in these later years. So uh, I don't, th these are numbers are coming right out of the general ledger for those uh, expenses in those years. In other words, 
there was not a detailed accounting kept of how much of the street repairs was funded from Measure O or how Measure O was allocated in each of those years. It just went into a big pot. And what we're trying to do today is say, is to designate, here's how much um, the city spent of its Measure O and what it was spent on. And so do we have a policy going forward, a stated budget policy going forward about um, you know, tracking or audit of Measure O and what our policy is going to be on how to do that going forward, Charlie? Uh, well, again, prior to 2016, uh, each project had revenue sources, you know, could have multiple revenue sources. And uh, I tracked internally how much, uh, you know, each revenue source contributed to a capital project. And we will put that, pro that uh, procedure back in place starting this budget year. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Um, so, and we, it was kind of a policy, and I think it's even written in the financial policy document that, that you said. So if we had a grant, that was consumed first. If we had a, a special revenue source, that was consumed second. In other words, we used up the revenue sources for each project based on, uh, you know, using what we would lose if we didn't use it based on uh, its direct being tied to a project and then to, to maximize our use of general fund money to say, here's here are projects or here are remaining projects that can't be funded first from a special revenue source or from a grant. And so <clears throat> there were there were certain years though that general fund money <clears throat> was used for CIP, obviously. Um, even though, you know, it wasn't I don't think it was specifically broken out in the budget, right? Like about 1.2 million? Yeah, I, I mean, the policy uh, up until uh, 2012 or 14 or something like that was annually the city would transfer 250,000 from the general fund to the CIP fund. And, and w with regard to this year too though, right? So is that called out in your graph there that for, 20, for 2021, even though it's not measure O, I mean, it's hard to tie it, right? But but we did we did budget a certain amount of yeah. money. Uh, we, we budgeted 596 in Measure O to go to the capital project fund. In fiscal year 21, we did not budget any in fiscal year 2022. But, it, but we did do 1.2 million, it looks like, right? Even though it's not specifically called out as Measure O, it's still... No, this is coming into the general fund and we're not allocating any of it to the capital project. Okay, yes. Okay. Okay. So I think maybe when we start talking about mid-year, mid-year budget and looking at savings and policy, looking at how we're doing better than what our projection was, um, we, we might want to start looking at, you know, th that CIP list. So, you know, I think that might be a good priority. So Chris has his hand up and I know Chris has to leave for another meeting at noon. So um, go ahead, Chris. Thank you, Mayor. And I would concur um, with that thought that you just laid out about uh, looking at what we do mid-year and trying to figure out if we can uh, eliminate that zero. Um, so I'm looking at 2017, 483,000, 2018, 26,000, and 2019, 662,000, which was non-measure O money, which uh, I think is the 1.2 million that, that the mayor is speaking about. So that's great that the city supplemented measure O with general fund money. 
but it's not great that we didn't put any money into the budget in 2022. And so to her point, and uh, my concern is that our infrastructure costs uh, are unknown uh, and, and they're only growing. And so for us to put zero into it, uh, we, we, we've got to do better than that. And so I think that should be a real focal point of us as a staff. Uh, Kevin's on the call. He knows that we've got a lot of infrastructure need with roads, steps, stairs, sidewalks, and under the ground and waterside stuff that we know um, is only growing more costly and creating more exposure. So um, the zero uh, has to leave, that's my point, uh, to the mayor's point. And so however we can make that work, because again, uh, the community, uh, maybe the letter of the law wasn't measure O is used specifically for um, infrastructure improvements, but the spirit of it, as I read through the documents, is that's the case. So for us to do nothing uh, in that budget year, uh, I think is a, is, a, is not a good uh, path. So we need to correct that path. And uh, Mayor, uh, we'll start working on that to make sure that we can put something reasonable together in terms of what's needed and what could be done to uh, actually invest in our infrastructure rather than not this coming year. And Chris, let me make a suggestion there. So there's a little disconnect between the ordinance and the, the ballot write-up. So the ballot write-up, that flyer actually mentioned, didn't say it would be used primarily or solely for infrastructure, but it mentioned several infrastructure projects. Um, the ordinance does not state that, um, but the ordinance does include an audit provision um, and the, the ballot uh, summary did not mention anything about audit. So maybe we can spend a little bit of time from a policy perspective reconciling those two things to give clear direction to this council and the future councils. Yeah, well, I agree. Uh, it's not the letter of the law that says you got to spend it on infrastructure. But in a lot of the budget documents I reviewed over the last four years, there is comment about it going toward infrastructure. And so that's why I refer to it as the spirit of the measure was that we should, in fact, do that. And, and we're not doing that this year. But you've done it in the past and you should do it in the future because uh, you do have those needs. Thank you, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor Charlie. I, public, I've got to run. I've got a, I've got a, a big meeting with another city manager I got to get to. So. Thank you all for your work. Understood. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mayor, I, I have a noon other call too. So. Oh well, then we need to hurry. So, <laughs> should we take public comment on on this? Or have yeah. We done this? yeah, we're gonna take public comment on this, and then we're gonna race through our next um, agenda item. So, um, I'm gonna open public comment on this right now. I see no hands up. So, um, okay, so I'm closing public comment and then we're gonna move on to our our next agenda item. Okay, um, on the next uh, agenda item, I don't have a slide or anything. I just wanted to answer the questions that were posed at the council meeting. And okay. so the answer is yes, they're 100% uh, full recovery, cost recovery. We build staff time against the project. Uh, the staff time is billed at the rate that was determined in the 2018 rate schedule. Uh, which will be updated this year. So uh, that rate for staff time is $135 an hour. Okay, so Vice Mayor, do you have a question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think the question at, at Council was, um, we say it's 100% cost recovery, but do you have any data to, to show that we are in fact collecting 100%? Oh yeah, so we have, the accounting accounts for it all. So we have project accounting and um, uh, pass through accounts that shows the money coming in and the money going out and because uh, at some point i thought cdd had told me that we were at 75 percent um so so i was puzzled when i heard we had 100 percent yeah 
for these projects on this contract, it's 100%. I don't know if there's other projects CDD does at 75% or not. That, that might be it. Okay, thanks, Ruth. Okay, so um, in light of that, Charlie, I think um, if you could, for our next city council meeting for the consent calendar, if you could just include that information in your staff report. All right. I think that'd be fine, don't you, Vice Mayor? Yeah, it'd be great. Okay, and then we'll just put it back on the consent. Is there any urgency or anything? Uh, I think they need approval. Yeah, but I mean, do we have to do it before our next? Do, do you need that before our next city council meeting on the 27th? I don't know. I'd have to ask Lily. And she, she okay. has a family emergency and she couldn't be on the call today. Okay. So just if you do, let me know. All right. So, otherwise, we'll put it on the 27th um, uh, back on the consent calendar with that those notations. Okay. okay. Do, so let me open, I'm going to open public comment for that item. But I just want to say real quick, I, I am really, really concerned in seeing the data to back up the 100% cost recovery. So if we can get a snapshot on that, um, I just want to, I really just want to tie that down. Yeah, is that possible, Charlie? You want, I'm sorry, what, do, what would you like? I'd like to see the data underlying the assumption or uh, assertion that we have 100% cost recovery through MIG. All right, I, I'm not sure, you know, we have the actual bills that come in and then we have an accounts receivable process that bills the uh, uh, applicant and then we have a time charge system that they bill their time against it and that gets billed to as well. So do you just want me to write that up? Uh, let, let, why don't we follow up offline? I think okay. I just want to make my my question uh, relevant to the, the community and then you and I can figure out how to chart that. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that, that works better. Yeah. All right, then now I'm opening this up to public comment and then we will adjourn. So I see no hands up. And so with that, hold on, let me check my... I see one hand up, Sandra Bushmaker. Oh, wait, hold on, Sandra Bushmaker. Okay, so Sandra, go ahead. Uh, well, or our webmaster, please. Hi, I agree with uh, I agree with the uh, needing the data on the 100% cost recovery that was just discussed, and I would like to see that as a member of the public. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, that's the only hand I see up, and with that, then I will close public comment and we will adjourn. So thanks very much, everybody, for your hard work, Charlie. Thanks for your excellent work, and welcome to Adam. Um, and. Uh-oh, can't remember it. I don't have my notes. Chad. Yeah, Chad. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. Thanks to both of your team. Uh, we welcome the, the help and support in Sausalito. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Thanks, Bye. thanks all. Bye-bye.